Hello and welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, aliens, psychics, religion, new age, awakening, ascension, starseeds, channeling, holistic health, philosophy, and even dating. Some shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and discoveries, while other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up what spirituality in today's modern world really looks like. Remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and hit me up at thelovelyleah.com or at thelovelyleah on Instagram so we can connect. Become a Patreon supporter to get access to behind the scenes of our guests, freebies, early access to new episodes, discounts on merch, and more. Hello and welcome to another week of spiritual shit. Uh, we are in Mercury retrograde and it's so funny because I was just telling someone that I don't notice when Mercury is in retrograde. It's fine. Crazy stuff happens outside of retrograde as it happens inside of retrograde. So what's the big deal? And I woke up this morning after I've done all of the work for the episode yesterday and I'm ready for it to publish. And uh, there's mysteriously this insane large silence gap in the audio and it's out of order and it wasn't working for many of you. So... What I decided to do was take the whole thing down and republish it again. This is the fourth time I'm doing it. And so hopefully it works this time, but I guess I will never, ever doubt the powers of the planets. <laughs> um, because in in addition to that, there's just been like my life felt like it turned upside down yesterday. So hooray. It's been a rough 24 hours. Y'all pray for me. Okay. Um, besides that, we have our normal announcements. If you want to sign up for spiritual shit school, there are workshops over there that you can sign up for. Currently we have a six in one bundle, uh, for, you know, 10 hours of content where we talk about, uh, your dreams, spirit guides, um, intuition, your awakening, uh, how to read cards and how to turn your spirituality into a business. If you have a spiritual passion of sorts. Uh, in addition to that, we have our Patreon workshops every month, uh, usually the first week of the month, but this uh, time we're going to have one on February 6th at 10 a.m. CST, and that's going to be about trauma, the way to approach trauma in uh, kind of a practical but also spiritual sense and finding ways, new ways to let that go. So uh, that's all the announcements we have for today. Today's episode is really amazing because we have Elizabeth April on and she is getting it about aliens and starseeds and, um, you know, our purpose here on earth and why humans are so special. It's a really amazing episode that that's why I was like freaking out this morning when it wasn't working. I was like, Oh no, 2000 people haven't heard. <laughs> Uh, how amazing this episode is. She brings a lot of information in such a, a gentle way. And it's so, so fun to listen to. In addition to that, um, if you go to patreon.com slash the lovely Aaliyah, we have the rest of our episode over there where she reads me and why I'm so scared of aliens. And well, not as much anymore, but I've had this like torrid history with the grays. And she goes in and does this remote viewing and channeling. It is so, so cool. And I felt like super activated by it. So please don't miss out on that. Go to patreon.com slash the lovely Aaliyah. Become a level of a member of any level. 
to check that out. So anyway, we're going to get right into this episode. I first of all hope that you are having a better day than I am. (laughs) So send everybody love. We are going through it. Also, happy Martin Luther King Day. Take some time to reflect on his legacy and and don't misremember the type of advocate he was. A lot of times people want to use the quotes and make it seem like he was uh, just here to make peace, but he was here to get equal rights and equal treatment. And so in order to disrupt a system, there is going to be division. And we talked about that on Friday's episode. So take some time to reflect on that. It is such an important legacy and such an important day. All right, time to get in today's episode. Clairvoyant, truth seeker, intuitive psychic, and best-selling author Elizabeth April, also known as EA, is here on a mission to help humanity awaken by expanding their minds to the infinite possibilities the universe has to offer. Through her online community, The School of Awakening, her Amazon best-selling book, You're Not Dying, You're Just Waking Up, and her successful podcast, Expand, EA has brought her expertise to so many people across the world, including celebrities like Demi Lovato and Chris Daughtry. Each week on her podcast, she dives into topics like the matrix, simultaneous timelines, consciousness, quantum physics, spirit guides, aliens, awakening, and the mandala effect, and so much more. And with 7 million views on YouTube and over 9 million minutes watched every month, and an Instagram community with over 100,000, the world is listening to what EA has to say. She's been featured on Vice, Bustle, Gaia TV, just to name a few, and has spoken at many world-renowned conferences across North America, including the Harmonic Convergence Festival, AlienCon Toronto, and Wellness Expo Toronto. She shared her experience on numerous podcasts, such as Almost 30, The Balanced Blonde, Positive Head, Mastermind, Body and Spirit, among others, and most recently, EA was the featured expert on Unidentified with Demi Lovato. Elizabeth April is on a mission to help the world shift. The only question remaining is, are you ready to join her on our journey? Please welcome Elizabeth April to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Spiritual Shit. I'm your host, Aaliyah Lovely. And today we have the Elizabeth April, EA, uh, channeler, Galactic Federation, homie, (laughs) writer, uh, intuitive clairvoyant. And we are super excited because she has a wealth of knowledge to talk to us about aliens and I am so excited to get into it how you doing honey I'm doing great yeah it's a lovely day here on earth (laughs) (laughs) amazing so I first found you about maybe a year ago or so where I was looking at your YouTube and I was like what is this chick talking about (laughs) (laughs) and I'm already like a super spiritual person and very into a lot of these topics and whatnot but you have such a, a calmness to the knowledge that you bring of your own experience and what I really enjoy about your approach is that you are very much a teacher based on your own experiences. And so instead of regurgitating what other teachers have said or told or whatever, um, you leave still like this kind of open space for people to receive what you're saying and or not receive what you're saying in this very neutral position. And I really enjoy that because going through your content, I don't necessarily agree with everything. And for most guests, I don't necessarily agree with everything, but the way that you present it at least has such a welcoming space for people to interpret. And, and come up with that. And you say, take it or leave it. And I love that. So before we get into us really discussing and breaking down Palladians and Arcturians and Syrians <laughs> and Sarsis and all that really fun stuff, um, can you first kind of give us a little bit of background about who you are, um, you know, where this originated from? How did you become this person that talks to these beings and how did it not freak you out? <laughs> 
totally. And it did freak me out at first, (laughs) for sure. So yeah, so I'm 29 now. And uh, I was born with extrasensory abilities in this life. A lot of kids are, especially these starseed kids. And basically, that means that I was able to see chakras and auras and talk to spirits and, you know, people who have passed on. Um, I was also like, in communication with um, a Palladian woman uh, from a very young age, but because I was raised Catholic, I thought that it was God. So I told my dad at around the age of maybe five or six, I said, dad, dad, you know, I've been talking to God. And he's like, oh, very interesting. You know, what is God telling you? That kind of stuff. And luckily he was very supportive. But I also told him, I said, you know what, the Bible has it wrong, you know, the priest in church is wrong, because God's actually a woman, like here I am talking to God, but God's a woman, because I'm talking to this, you know, this disembodied voice, basically. And I love it, you know, the, you know, the, the balls that I had at that age, to say <laughs> the entire religion is wrong, because of my experience, right? So yeah, and, and to your point too, you know, I've, I've been very clear about not taking on anyone else's information. Um, As you mentioned, everything that I know to be true is through my own experiences. And I can't assume that everyone's had the same experiences, obviously. So I am very open about that. Um, Around the age of 10 years old, I decided to shut off all of my extrasensory abilities because I just wanted to fit in. I just wanted to be normal, just wanted to be like all the other kids. Um, But that also really led me to this separation from source, the separation from my soul, the separation from, I think, my purpose as well. And so I really kind of spiraled into a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, a lot of questioning. Um, Nothing really made sense to me, and I didn't really want to be here in so many ways. And so I remember at the age of like 14, 15, 16, really struggling with this and really questioning like, what is the purpose of life? Like, why are we really here? Um, You know, really, truly, if it's just to go to school, go to more school, get into some debt, get into a nine to five, and then have a family, that's not enough for me. You know, it's really kind of yearning and looking for something beyond. Um, So seeking for answers. And then finally, my dad, he's like, hey, would you ever be open to a past life regression? And I said, yeah, I mean, at this point, I'll, I'll explore anything. And even though he was Catholic, even though he was an engineer, um, he also studied past life regression in his spare time, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So at 16, uh, he took me into my first ever past life regression. It was about an hour and a half long. And in that hour and a half, we went into about five lifetimes. And these lifetimes, you know, I was a monk, uh, I was a shaman, I was a yogi, but I was also a slave and a prostitute. And I kind of saw the whole gamut of what we could experience. And that hour and a half opened me up to two huge things. One, reincarnation is possible. And I wasn't just the 16 year old that I was looking at in the mirror. And two, time is actually simultaneous. It's an illusion. I mean, in an hour and a half, I can experience five entire lifetimes. So that really opened up the can of worms for me. Um, At that point, I was so excited about life again. I had so much to discover and unpack. So I ended up actually taking my dad's past life regression notes and copying them down in my own journal. 
Uh, and then when I went away two years later to university at 18, I basically made friends through giving past life regressions, which was probably like not the best thing to do since I was <laughs> so like unlicensed, unprofessional, untrained. Uh, but I was able to do it. I was able to take people into a trance-like state um, to, so that they could once again experience their past lifetimes as well. Um, so that was really cool. And all of a sudden, you know, all of my abilities started coming back to me, my clairvoyance, my precognition, telepathy. Um, I started stubbing my toe and getting thrown into a past lifetime. I mean, the, the veil in my reality became very, very thin, um, simultaneous time, different timelines, all of that great stuff. So it was very, very open. I even started remote viewing and astral traveling and going into different, you know, hidden human history timelines, checking out like what really happened back then. But if you asked me if I believed in aliens, I would probably tell you that there's got to be something else out there in the universe. But why would they bother with us humans? Like we're just this kind of like terrestrial species among billions and trillions of different terrestrial planets. Um, we're not actually that special. That's that's what I believed anyway. My partner says that all the time. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I don't know if I want the attention of a higher, such a much higher being if you know it's like us paying attention to ants usually we're in danger if we're, if exactly <laughs> exactly and I always back in the day anyway when I was a little bit more cynical I would always say like we're an ant-like species like why would they even bother with us you know and um and so then I went away to a 10-day silent meditation retreat called Vipassana this was something that I had practiced in a past lifetime of mine so I really wanted to get back into it and explore it um, on the second night of this silent meditation retreat in the middle of nowhere, of course, uh, I ended up getting abducted by tall, white, interdimensional beings. And the abduction, it was a physical. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It was physical. It was conscious. I mean, I saw them pulling my body from my bed and beaming me up to the ship and, you know, basically the procedure that they did on me. Ooh. And it was fear-based, like it was a very scary, objectively very scary experience to go through, which I think is very interesting because since then, all of my experiences, even the physical abductions after that have been very uplifting, very positive, very compassionate from these beings. And I know that looking back, you know, and asking the question, why did I have to have such a scary experience at first? it really allows me to have compassion over all of the humans out there who have had scary abductions. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't just be this over-optimistic, all aliens are good. You know, I really do have to come from that grounded, you know, binary place of seeing the light and the dark within that kind of situation. Mm -hmm. um, so that abduction was scary. You know, we can talk about it uh, a little bit, but it's really all of the experiences since then that I would love to just kind of unpack and help people understand. But since then, you know, I started to basically now unpack, oh my goodness, interdimensional beings, aliens are real. Um, what is possible with that? And I started doing past life regressions on other people and on myself, taking myself and others off the planet. You know, if we've had past lifetimes, have we had past lifetimes off the planet? And who have we been? And what roles do we have off planet? And, and all of that. And then I got introduced to the Galactic Federation of Light, and we can talk all about that. Um, and it's been about 10 years since then, just unpacking all of that and understanding who they are, why they're here, and 
why exactly humanity and human beings are so special. Mm. Wow. So that's a lot. I have like a thousand questions. Um, because I know the people who, who have experienced or mentioned something about having an abduction, sometimes that abduction very much was a very internal, uh, experience. And in fact, I've had some experiences that I, I wouldn't quantify as abduction at all, but I've always had this very severe fear of the grays and which I think you are a gray, you, you claim, uh, identify as a gray, right? Yeah. Um, so yes. Yeah, so since I was a kid, I had, I've always had very, um, I don't know where it came from. My dad was super interested in them. I bet he's a great, but like there, he's always looked up into the sky and always been like, Ooh, you know, look like watch this documentary or whatever. <clears throat> and upon my first visual scene of what a gray looks like, uh, at least like what Americans have dubbed as what grays look like. Um, I I'm terrified, absolute sheer terror, breaking out in hives, like wow. physical reaction to it. And so when I was about eight or so, my grandmother, um, was watching some special on aliens or whatever. And I was like, why now, you know, like we're having the slumber party with my grandma. Why now do you need to watch this particular thing? And I was so terrified to the point where I was, I went running through the house, looking for my uncle to see, um, you know, if I could go sleep with him instead, because like she was watching this thing and she walks out and she, she hang stands over me and she goes, I'm not your grandmother. And it freaked me the fuck out. Okay. <laughs> I was just like, oh no. Anyway, so I've always had this very, um, uh, just scary experience. Fast forward, um, you know, I'm about 20 years old or so. And a friend of mine slept over and I had, um, experience that you actually could describe very similarly that your partner had when you guys were in, I think Joshua tree and, um, having like a flickering of lights and then waking up and seeing two, you know, you're it's in the dark, but you can see the heads yeah. or whatever standing over my bed. And I was paralyzed, couldn't move, couldn't, you know, do anything or whatever. And by the time I was able to snap out of that paralysis, um, I started screaming or whatever, turn lights on and they're obviously gone. So it has been this innate, like, I don't know where it comes from. I don't know what happened. Maybe you can help with that. But I, I, I have always had this, just, I can't talk about aliens. I can't think about aliens. And it wow. wasn't until I had this awakening that I started to, uh, interact with ghosts, mediumship, like things like that. I'm a medium and have very much connection to the other side that way that I started to become more comfortable with the idea of, okay, this is what aliens are. And this is what aliens look like. So, um, we're going to talk on Patreon a little bit later where, uh, April's going to do some live channeling for us. So if you guys want to see the part, that part of the conversation, go to patreon.com slash the lovely Ilya. But before we go there, I would love to hear kind of your, breakdown of, you know, the, the different types of aliens that are interested mm -hmm. in our human race and why are they so interested in helping us? Okay. Before we get there, I want to maybe help you unpack a bit of that fear. Okay. Let's do it live. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also thinking that maybe for the after show, uh, I could maybe tap into why or where that fear comes from. 100. Specifically. Okay. I'm here for it. So I just want to like, just a little experience. So I always say that at 18, when I got abducted by these beings, it was my first conscious abduction. And I specifically say it's my first conscious abduction because it was the first time that I was consciously aware of, holy shit, what's happening? Like I'm being taken from my bed in the middle of the night, right? Mm -hmm. But before then I had a lot of experiences in childhood and it wasn't until... I was 24 and 
there's a huge, there's a lot of chunks in my childhood that I don't really remember. And I'm like, man, was that from trauma? Was that from like, just do I have a bad memory? Like, where is that coming from? So I hired a hypnotherapist to take me into that, into childhood and to kind of unpack. I was thinking that we were going to go into some like sexual abuse, like unpacking. Um, And all of a sudden I'm four years old and there are two short gray beings that just appear by the side of my bed. Hmm. And it turns out between the age of four and 13, I was abducted about six times by the greys and I was taken on board their ship and I call it earth school. And I wasn't alone. There was all these other kids in their pajamas and their hair's all crazy and messy, obviously taken in the middle of the night. And we were being taught. We were being taught about energy, vibration, consciousness, quantum physics, even that a tree is conscious. You know, we were being taught about these kind of basic things within our reality. And it really, I just wanted to bring that up for you. And like I said, like, I'll definitely tap into your, because I can tap into people's childhood and see what really happened back then yeah. and then maybe you can follow through with a hypnotherapy session somewhere else but I really feel like maybe you were a part of the same sort of or something similar mm-hmm. in childhood um because I also had a fear of the grays until I understood oh my goodness this is my this is my community these are mm-hmm. my my beings you know so mm-hmm. we'll we'll check into that later yeah. on but yeah very fascinating <laughs> so just going back to just you know, aliens in general, we have to understand two huge things when you're first starting to open your mind up to this. One, there is an infinite number of species out there in the universe. If you can imagine it, it probably exists, which is pretty wild. Mm -hmm. Uh, And two, there are good and bad that exist in every single species. I mean, we can't just say all grays are bad, even though there are definitely gray beings that are not so great and they've got nefarious agendas. Absolutely. Very similar to humans. If we took a look at humanity right now and we took a look at the ones that are in charge, we would, if we were aliens from another planet and looking at planet earth, we'd be like, oh my God, the humans are evil. Like they are corrupt. Like look at how they're, you know, treating their humans. Um, I always say earth is ghetto. Yeah, 100%. We are basically the cavemen of the universe. Um, But there are good and bad within humanity, you know, and there are good and bad within every species out there. So that's, that's, those are just kind of core concepts to understand how vast it is and how polarizing it can be as well. Um, There are like main species out in the universe before we kind of cover them. Um, and maybe their vibration. I do want to talk about the Galactic Federation. I got introduced to them when I first kind of got introduced to this whole scene um, through my own experiences and abductions. And basically how I described the Galactic Federation is uh, a, basically a government system for the universe. And we kind of, I think about government and I think, oh, well, they're corrupt, right? But they're kind of like a government system for the universe that's not corrupt, mm-hmm. uh, if you can imagine that. But the universe needs a structure. And the the reason why it needs a structure is because there are things called universal laws um, and not every being, especially the low vibrational ones want to abide by these universal laws. A great example of a universal law is the law of non-intervention, which basically states that no being can override another being's free will. Free will is a gift that is given to every single uh, incarnated being or incarnated soul all across the universe. 
And that is the number one thing that other beings cannot override. That does not stop them from overriding that. So there needs to be a system in place or at least an organization that says, hey, you're overriding this law and we basically need to, uh, you know, have consequences for that, right? The UN um, for the world. Yeah, kind of. pretty much. I believe the UN is still corrupt, but I mean, sorry, <laughs> for those who are listening, we're trying to draw a parallel if there were all these different pretty much that existed. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So, so that's kind of how I understand the Galactic Federation. Um, that is the main kind of species that I'm in contact with. So everyone that I channel is not necessarily from a planet. They are from the Galactic Federation of Light. Uh, and the reason why I'm drawn to them is because they have a very objective view of everything that's happening. If I were to talk to one being from one planet out there in the universe, it's a very kind of limited view of what's going on. Like I can talk to a number of councils to get a number of different perspectives on what's happening and they don't necessarily have their own subjective input or attachment to the outcome. So mm -hmm. I think it's a very important kind of position for me to go to a very objective place when gathering information for humanity. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. So the main species that are interacting with human beings at this time and for quite some time, uh, and maybe your listeners have heard of them, maybe not, uh, I'll just kind of overview them. So there are the Palladians. Um, a lot of people have heard of them. They look, they are the most similar to humans in the way that they look. They look extremely humanoid. Um, they're much larger though. They're on average six to seven feet. They're quite broad as well, like their shoulders are quite broad. Um, typically they have blue eyes um, and blonde hair, but they can also have dark hair uh, and blue eyes as well. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, them, they're very loving, very compassionate. Um, they also take a lot of like leadership roles as well within the Galactic Federation, um, just because they are very objective and they're good with direction. Um, there's another species that look uh, very humanoid as well, and they're much smaller, five to six feet tall. Um, they're the angels. A lot of people think that angels are religious, but they're actually just interdimensionals. And they are very loving. Um, they are very much so healing. They do a lot of healing practices and help humanity with a lot of healing. There's a lot of uh, angelic beings incarnated on planet Earth, as well as Palladian souls incarnated on planet Earth as well. Um, so that's them. And then we have, yeah. Real quick, do the, do the angels have wings? Uh, yeah, so they do have wings. Um, and it depends, like sometimes when I interact with them, I can't see their wings. Some of them don't have wings. Like it's almost like wings are a graduation. There are different like levels. I don't want to say hierarchy or like ranking system, but there's different vibrational levels of angels. And that's where we hear the archangels as well. They're kind of one yeah. of the highest vibrational angels. Um, so sometimes when I talk to an angel, they don't have wings and that's just because they hide their wings and that's totally possible too. Got it. So yeah, good question though. <laughs> um, and then you've got the Anunnaki beings. 
they're basically like very large humanoid beings. Um, they could range anywhere from like 20 to 40 to even 60 feet tall. Um, they do look very human. They're a much more like male dominant species. They've interacted with human beings kind of since the get go. Um, they're the ones who helped to, you know, splice our DNA and advance us, but they really truly advanced us for their own wants and needs. Um, and then eventually some of the Anunnaki basically discovered, hey, you know what, humans are kind of special and we, what, we would love to help them out. And they actually gave us a lot of our math, our science, our, uh, you know, um, astrophysics and, and different things about the universe. They imparted that wisdom to us. They also gave us a lot of our language system as well. Mm -hmm. So once again, like Anunnaki are a great example of the polarity of the good and the bad mm -hmm. um, and their impact on humanity. And then you've got the reptilians. A lot of people, um, I talk about the reptilians. I now understand that there are good and bad reptilians out there. I think back in the day, especially through my own experiences, all my experiences were negative with reptilians. I'm like, oh my God, they're all bad. All the you know elites, all the celebrities are shape-shifting reptilians. <laughs> I now understand that, no, that's not the case. Um, uh, but they are here. Um, they do believe that this planet is theirs. Um, they're quite large too. They could be anywhere between seven and 10 feet tall. Some of the reptilian uh, beings have tails. Some of them don't. Some of them, uh, different kind of species, but similar have wings even um, called the Draco beings or the Draconians. Oh, um, and they're just kind of, yeah. And they're just like, they're like, they are at a lower vibration uh, and a lot of them are full of like greed and they just want power. Basically, um, there are some of them that are starting to kind of turn over to a higher vibration and help the Galactic Federation um, take them out of the planet, you know, the, the not so good ones. So that's very interesting. Um, but the reptilians do have technology and do have the ability to shapeshift into a human form. Uh, and that can be really detrimental because we think it's coming from a human, but it's actually coming from, you know, an interdimensional being that doesn't necessarily have our best interests in mind. So that's totally possible too, and that is occurring. Um, and then we do have the greys. Greys are also a very, very common species. Now it's really tough to just say the greys because the amount of different species within the gray, it's kind of like just saying, hmm, you're a white human. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. so just kind of general. Um, so there are for sure like bad species of gray and there are also for sure really good species of gray um, out there and they are just they're definitely more logical and analytical a lot of human beings who interact with the grays um, believe that they're very kind of corrupt or evil because they don't have emotions that's but what the i grays, heard they don't have empathy or like something like that yeah so the so there are like i call them like biological robots they're basically like short grays that uh, kind of like a possession. They're just kind of like these biological robots. And a lot of reptilian beings have the technology to enter into a short gray body to kind of do their bidding for them. So, uh. I mean, it, it really does get complex. Um, but there are like, so there's different like heights of gray and that also uh, denotes their status as well. The tall grays are usually the leaders or the ambassadors. Um, and there are some really, really beautiful grays and like, um, like good grays as well. And they're really trying to help humanity advance um, and help us navigate like our own biological and genetic system. 
And so the greys, at least some of the greys have an emotion, they just don't express their emotion on their face. So when an abduction happens and they're not smiling at you, uh, you know, humans think, oh my God, they're so evil, but we're also not totally tuned into that telepathic energy where it's like, oh my God, they're giving me the most amount of compassion, you know, and not all of us are tuned into that. So once again, grades are another great example of the polarity of they're really, really bad and they're really, really good um, in helping us advance. So that's a pretty good overview of the main species that are interacting with us. But then you have the Andromedans and the Syrians and the Octurians and all of the other ones as well that you will hear about. But those those are the main ones that I interact with as well as kind of the main ones just to help humanity understand them better. Right. So all of these, the races that you mentioned are involved in the Galactic Federation in one way or another? Uh, yes, for the most part. Uh, like I said, I mean, there's a ton of Palladians in the GFL, um, but not as many, say, Anunnaki or Reptilians, but you will find them here and there, right? The ones, anyone any being throughout the entire universe who wants to help unify, unification, unity, connection to source, they are open and able to join the Galactic Federation. Got it. So why Earth? You know, I know I probably understand that there are other planets where, you know, things are evolving, um, but, you know, like where this is, the show is called spiritual shit. So we have loads and loads <laughs> of people who come here who talk about how earth is earth school. You said earth school. And I love that because there's this process of us <clears throat> needing to evolve ourselves and needing to advance this particular race. Why is everyone so invested in, in our little yeah. ant planet? <laughs> For sure. That was my greatest question. And the Galactic Federation would not tell me until many years after my introduction to them. So I was introduced to them in 2011. They did not tell me why Earth was so special until probably 2016, 2017. So that was like a long time of just having this big question. And they told me that humanity wasn't ready for that information up until that point. Mm-hmm. So I'll kind of give you the, the Coles Notes version of, you know, why planet Earth and why are we so special? Basically, what they've relayed to me and what I've seen through human history going way back in the day is uh, human beings have always been prophesized in the universe as a species that was going to be an amalgamation of all of these other beings. So From what I understand right now, we have upwards of 20 different interdimensional DNA uh, within us. So we are this ultimate experiment. We are this ultimate hybrid race. And the prophecy from trillions of years ago, long before Earth was even a planet, there was a prophecy that there was going to be a peace treaty in the form of a brand new species that was going to end the war of all all wars in the universe. And there's been a lot of galactic wars in the universe. And so so many shows just now. Amazing. (laughs) And there's been many peace treaties throughout the universe trying to bring together the light and the dark sides of the universe. So it's not like, oh, well, it has to be all light. The whole point of this universe is to experience polarity and and the binality of of reality. 
so so it's it's how do we get the the light and the dark to coexist simultaneously in peace and peace treaty after peace treaty contract after contract has been overwritten um, by the dark side because they have vested interests and they are you know corrupt and and they're very um greedy and so this prophecy was like if we could get some of the lowest vibrational species in the entire universe and some of the highest vibrational species in the entire universe to essentially create a love child um, species. And then it is up to that species, up to that hybrid, up to that love child to choose light or dark. And whatever that species chooses is what is uh, meant to kind of reign over the universe. And once again, like I want to just kind of backtrack and say, it's not about human beings choosing between light and dark. It's about us unifying and having the ability to objectively see both light and dark within ourselves and find peace within the duality within ourselves. And if we can do that collectively, then we are showing the lowest vibration, the highest vibrational beings that this is possible within the universe. And that contract, that peace treaty will ring through to everyone else. So what we decide here is going to impact pretty much every other layer of the universe, which is pretty wild to, to think about. And we are fairly special. <laughs> extremely special. which you know and i think i love that perspective because there are so many people out there who who want so much to identify with their star seed uh you know characteristics or or whatever and i'm like you're also human and there's something pretty pretty darn cool about that you know like i think yeah. we look often to aliens or angels or you know spirit guides or whoever and think that they have something you know, more advanced than we do. And maybe they do in some way or another, but like, it's like, we forget that we're also this human having this experience and that this is also something pretty important. Absolutely. And, and I always remind people, so I thought the same thing, like when I first started to awaken, I'm like, I want to be a gray again. I want to be a Palladian again. I want to be, you know, all these things. Cause like, fuck this sucks, you know, <laughs> like it's so dense here. Um, but now I realize, like, think about it as a star seed, you contracted, you volunteered yourself to be a human coming from an interdimensional lifetime. So if you're like, I want to be an angel again, it's like, but you right now in this present moment have all of the experience of being an angel, but you also have all of your experience of being an Arcturian and being an Anunnaki, and you can amalgamate all of that experience and bring that through your human life. And this is why, you know, you'll hear the, the phrase, oh, unlock your DNA, you know, quite frequently, because I mean, I say this all the time, I believe that we have interdimensional DNA, I believe that 90% plus of our DNA has been laying dormant, because we've only been told that this small frame is what's possible. And if we open our minds to anything is possible, and if I lost my arm tomorrow, I can regrow it. I believe that that belief will recreate our reality so that we can uh, utilize the fullest of our capacity and the fullest of our interdimensional DNA. And we can become this uh, superhuman type being. I love that. Why, why do you feel that we are so locked 
you know, that we have so little access to our superpowers and our third eye and our ability to communicate. Why is it like, I understand the earth is super, super extra dense, but if we are this special being that like the universe's outcome is hinged on our evolution, then why is that so hard? Yeah, great question. I don't blame humans. Um, I blame the system that has been put in place by the ones who don't want us to uh, unlock, right? So especially the Anunnaki, especially the reptilian beings, um, they are threatened by us, which is really funny because they were threatened by us by pretty much day one. I mean, we haven't unlocked even half of what we're capable of, but they're threatened that we are going to be more powerful than they will be, uh, than they are one day by accessing our gifts, by utilizing our DNA. Um, and so they have tried to stifle us since day one, way back in the day from human history, um, to prevent us from being this peace treaty, to prevent us from seeing both sides, to prevent us from really stepping into uh, what we are capable of. Hmm. So how does that connect to um, essentially like interdimensional life, right? We come in, we volunteered, we had our experiences as, as other, you know, in other planets, but then we come to earth and we're kind of locked in this cycle where we're having to reincarnate over and over and over in different cultures and different statuses and, you know, all that kind of stuff. How, how does that connect? Like, how do we, you know, cause if we're drawing these lifetimes, did we have lifetimes in other how am I, how do I phrase this? This is such a compact, complex question. Um, so for instance, if I use myself, um, maybe at some point, uh, I came from the Pleiades and I came to incarnate as a human to volunteer and do all this work. Did I also have incarnations as a gray or did I, do I only have one interdimensional interplanetary incarnation and then come in and then I'm like, yo, I'm going to be Buddhist. I'm going to be Hindi. I'm going to be black. I'm going to be black. You know what I mean? Like, how does that work? Yeah, great question. Okay, so essentially, um, I believe that we are all many, many, many different interdimensional beings. Like, in order to basically volunteer to be on planet Earth as a, you know, cosmic being, as a starseed, uh, we have had to come from a variety of different civilizations, species, planets, solar systems, galaxies, you name it. So I don't believe that I've never channeled anyone that is just connected to one species. And I know that right now in, in this moment, this species really resonates with you, but um, I really believe that we are way more advanced, way more eclectic than that. So I try and remind people that we are pretty much, you know, an amalgamation of all of the things that we've ever been um, in past lifetimes. And then what kind of, you know, happens when we're, when we volunteer, I've seen this time and time again, it's like, I'm so excited. I'm coming from the Pleiades. I'm going to be on planet earth. I'm going to change humanity. I'm going to help them. It's always this like kind of vigor of help. And then you get here and it's so dense and then you get targeted because you're such a pure light soul. And then you get abused and you're like, oh man, that sucked. 
and then you create karma with that abuse. And karma is really just an energetic reverberation, whether it be a high vibration, energetic reverberation, a low vibration, energetic reverberation, every action, every thought, every reaction creates an energetic reverberation. Essentially, at some point, that energetic reverberation has to come back to you. Now, it is totally possible to create karma uh, on planet Earth and to complete that karma somewhere else in the universe. Hmm. What is very unique about planet Earth, and basically I call it like the prison planet system or the karmic matrix system on planet Earth, what's really unique about this is the type of trauma that we go through as souls on planet Earth is so specific and so traumatizing to the soul that there aren't many places out there in the universe where we can go to re-experience that same frequency in order to neutralize it and move on from it. And mm. that's where we get locked into coming back lifetime after lifetime. And all of a sudden, you just expected to be here for one life and do your work and get out. And you're now locked in for a hundred, for a thousand lifetimes um, over and over again. And I want to mention one more thing about this. Finally, what I've channeled, like um, with, you know, I don't do clients anymore, but from clients in the past, pretty much every star seed, you know, every cosmic volunteer that I have channeled, this is basically their last life on this planet. And the reason why is because we all were supporting and holding space and doing whatever we could for planet Earth and humanity up until the point of the shift, the transition, the ascension, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Now we're actually here. Now we're actually shifting. There's all these new star seeds that are coming to the planet without karma, without baggage. And we're like, okay, cool. You youngins, you take <laughs> over, you, you complete the shift. But we really wanted to kind of stick it out until the shift happens. And then we're like, all right, cool. Like I'm done. I'm graduating. And once we graduate here, like once we finish our contracts with planet earth, we have the freedom to go anywhere we want in the universe, because this is like, think about planet earth as like uh, your PhD. It's not even like getting your master's. It's like getting your PhD mm. because we are on slot with the lowest vibrational frequencies in the universe. And we are contending with the highest vibrational frequencies in the universe. I mean, talk about polarity. If you can get through this, you can experience anything you want to experience after this. That's mm. also why a lot of cosmic souls are drawn to planet earth to kind of do 10,000 lifetimes in a thousand. Yeah. Accelerate. Mm. Accelerate. I, I resonate with that very much. So, um, so I was that you kind of answered my question. I was like, was there a timing when all of us kind of decided to come in? And with that, like that, does that mean that every soul who's here on earth right now is one of the volunteers or they're also like shell people? Okay. Good question. Yeah. So a lot of volunteers came in during ancient Limeria and J ancient Atlantis. So that was kind of the question. You're so good. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of the first wave, like huge wave of volunteers. Uh, we had way too much advancement, way too much power. We unlocked everything that we could unlock and we basically destroyed ourselves because we advanced too quickly. Story of Atlantis. Um, so, and then as far as the difference between like, yeah, star seeds and other. So like, I, I, I don't have a good label for this. And I have a lot of labels for a lot of things, but I call them like humans, right? So, and I don't want to sound condescending when I, when I kind of mention this, but there are star seeds on the planet, which are 
I don't know, like probably around 10 to 20 percent, uh, maybe def probably less than 20 percent of like the humans here, um, the people here. And then you've got these human beings who how I describe it is this originally was a third dimensional planet. And basically, this means that as a soul through your evolutionary steps, it's like I'm going to live all of the lifetimes that I can live in the first dimension. I'm going to live all the lifetimes that I could live in the universe in the second dimension. Okay, great. Now I'm ready to experience uh, what, what to experience in the third dimension. So they're kind of naturally evolving through the dimensions. With so, the planet? With, the, with this planet. So they're kind of the, what, you know, the autopilot, the, the, the ones who are just kind of, I don't want to say brainwashed, but like they're just kind of following the flow of what they're being Here told. Here to just be there that's really interesting so the call went out on kind of both fronts and then as far as like being here and then realizing shit this is not what I wanted I, I want out that is possible so we create our own contracts ultimately we are never victims in the way that like I got stuck here and I know it feels like for a lot of people I got stuck here because we created karma that we didn't anticipate or expect to create but after we incarnate, after we pass away, we have a life review uh, on the other side, and we and our higher selves and our spirit guide collective are the ones who decide, you know what, it's going to be best for you to go back to planet Earth to re-experience these things, to clear that stuff, and to complete some of the missions that you weren't able to complete before. So we really do choose to come back. Um, I will say that after the fall of Atlantis, so many volunteers left, and I called it cosmic retirement. <laughs> so many of them were like, I'm out of here. Like, if we can't create a utopian society, and things are about to get a lot worse, and we're about to go into the dark ages, then count me out. Like, I'm not going to be like participating in any of this. And that's when religion got started and all of that crazy stuff to totally take us off track. Um, so a lot of the volunteers left after Atlantis and then a lot of us stayed on. Like, I know I stayed and I'm like, you know what? I'm going down with the ship. If the ship is sinking, I'm going down. I'm here for the experience. Like, let's go through the ride. Um, and we, we move through that. Now, one more concept that's a very new concept that I just wrote a whole book on. And then I realized that humanity wasn't necessarily ready to unpack this yet, but they will be soon. Basically, it's this concept of imprinting lifetimes. And my background is in past life regression, right? So I'm like very well versed in lifetimes on and off this planet, but this is very new. So basically what's happening is I started to channel all of these people as clients and I'm like, I don't really see any past lifetimes or I didn't see any karma that they were here to complete. And when I looked into it, it seemed like their lifetimes that they remembered or their lifetimes that they experienced were actually imprinted. Now, what that means is there's basically like a device on board these motherships where a soul can hook themselves up to this device and basically download or re-experience lifetimes to gain access to valuable pieces of knowledge um, and then come to planet Earth with that experience and that knowledge without actually incurring the experience, which means that they don't actually incur the karma. Mm -hmm. um, now, this made a lot of sense because when I was doing past life regression, you know, right at the beginning of my career, I started realizing why do I have three people who believe they were Jesus? Why do I have two people who believe they were Madonna? Mm -hmm. You know, why am I going into these? Uh, so many people types? burned at the stake. 
Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. And what I now understand is they actually wanted to experience those experiences, those lifetimes, because there was so much value in that one lifetime that they needed to experience that before coming to this planet for, you know, whatever reason, but that actually wasn't their lifetime. Mm. Now, what what this book that I wrote goes into is I believe that we don't have to hook ourselves up to a machine on board a giant mothership in order to experience these things. I believe exactly that in this new frequency, in the fifth dimension frequency, this heightened vibration, we are able to, I call it downloading and uploading. If I'm suffering financially um, and I'm like, man, I can't get over this lesson and I keep like losing my job and I keep, you know, getting late payments on bills. Um, I believe that we can actually download information from someone else connected to the collective grid around planet earth. And someone else is like, I'm super abundant and I'm happy because that's important. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, share my lesson with the world, right? I can pick up on that lesson that someone else has learned and I can learn from what they've already learned. Mm -hmm. That is the unification system. Same thing is like, I can upload. Wow, like I'm such a happy person. And I know so many people are suffering with their spiritual abilities and happiness. So I'm going to upload my lesson that I've learned and I'm going to share that with the grid. And so it's really fascinating when we start to get into this and we start to connect to others at a very conscious level and what we can really receive and attain without needing to go through the experience to get there. Listen, April, Elizabeth, April, sorry. <laughs> um, you said people weren't ready for that. It's so funny. I, I've journaled about this thing and I have sat down and gone, you know what, even the podcast, like I'll sit down and I'll channel sometimes on episodes or whatever. And I'm like, Oh, weird. And I'll get these messages, troves of messages from people going like, Oh my God, that activated me or, Oh my God, that healed me or whatever. And it's like weird. Like there's this like little piece I'm taking from the, the galactic cloud, I cloud or whatever, and then downloading it to their, everybody else so that they can upload that and then heal that really quickly. I totally resonate with that really big. Um, Something you were talking about earlier when you're talking about uh, those of us who have come in uh, through Lumeria and uh, Atlantis and had this kind of experience. I, I so weirdly have such a connection to Lumeria. It's insane. The first time I heard the word, I was like, mm. I need to know what that is. I, I like, I have just this visceral reaction to it. In fact, I have a lot of Lumerian crystals, seed crystals in here, but um, there was this, this book that I read that said, tell us that there's this inner world that they're living in currently. And I thought, well, how does that work? Because if they came, if they incarnated as human, right? Um, mm-hmm. So they're humans and then they, they had more work to do or whatever, but they have now, they essentially live inside of the earth in this very utopian type of society. Are they, if that is true, uh, are they essentially, have they isolated themselves from the experience of being able to continue to progress and evolve the planet or is by them being here by proxy, helping raise the vibration of the planet? Great question. I love this. All right. So um, yes, there is an inner earth. Um, For those people who don't know, it's basically like an entire world within our world um, at a physical level. So there are physical beings. Um, It's actually when I go there, because I can remote view like that location. When I go there, it reminds me a lot of the Galactic Federation because you don't just see one species there. You don't just see one skin color there. You don't just see one type of being there. It is so varied. Uh, There are humans down there as well. 
So the ancient Lemurians and uh, Atlanteans, uh, yeah, they looked human, but they were like, they had pretty much their 12 DNA strand unlocked. So they were uh, extremely powerful humans and uh, more, more closer to Palladians than, than human, really. Mm. And so, uh, so you're correct. So when the fall of Atlantis happened, a lot left. So their soul actually left planet Earth. And that's the cosmic retirement that I was talking about. Like, I'm done with this. Um, a lot of them, some of them stayed, some of them stayed and decided to reincarnate as being human being on the planet, on the surface of the planet. Some of them stayed and decided to go underground because um, the surface just wasn't ready for their advancement, their technology, everything that they could bring. Um, and so what, so another kind of situation that uh, this reminds me of is I was very connected to the ancient Mayans and I was very uh, interested like years and years ago of like, what happened to the ancient Mayans? Yeah. Like, what actually took place back then? So I remote viewed uh, into that timeline of planet earth. And basically what happens was there was a shaman uh, who was a part of the ancient Mayan civilization. He got a message that basically uh, the colonials, you know, the, the individuals from the white men basically from Europe were going to come in and basically destroy uh, everything, the culture, the people, kill everyone off. So because the shaman got this vision of this, he said, we need to go underground. So there's kind of mm. this myth of like, where did 40,000, where did 100,000 ancient Mayans go? Yeah. They went underground. They went into this inner earth that was already very well established back then from the time of ancient Atlantis and Lymeria. So throughout human history, we've actually had quite a few very in touch, especially indigenous tribes um, go underground. And there are also like ant-like beings down there. There's interdimensional beings that visit down there. And just like you mentioned by proxy, right? Like in that location, the reason why they're down there and they choose to exist down there, you know, other than another planet or a spaceship or what have you is because their presence alone on planet earth holds a certain vibrational frequency for the rest of humanity to basically level out the playing field mm. uh, for all of the darkness that's here. Damn. Yeah. That's intense. You know, I, I, when I was reading the book, I was thinking about it. I was like inner earth, how would that work? How would the sun be mm -hmm. like, how would mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff like exist and, and in our planet? And, and would that mean all other planets are also hollow and have inner, you know, earths or the people that live on the moon, you know? And, and I remember seeing some article where they found in Antarctica, some kind of magnetic pool. Um, they published it somewhere. I, I don't remember, but some type of magnetic pool opening doorway, if you will, where mm -hmm. things were opposite on the other side, but they couldn't, um, it was like on a, I don't know, physicist level maybe, but I, I had this, this dream about it. And I was like, I don't, I don't know necessarily. Maybe you can answer this question. If, if there is a actual door that you physically walk in and then you go inside the inner earth, but there's like a portal almost of, of existence where you can enter in through the inside. Actually of the it's so that's also great points. Great questions. So uh, because I can remote view and astral travel, of course, I'm really interested. What the hell is going on in, in Antarctica? Because all of these presidents, all of these huge political figures are all going to Antarctica. There's a no-fly zone. It's all very mysterious. So my like, cool, like, I'm just going to go fly over there. <laughs> I did. 
And it's way less like woo woo and mysterious than a portal that you walk through and you go to a different dimension. It's actually just a giant hole in, in earth that you walk, like you go into and all of a sudden it's like this beautiful tropical, like it's very kind of, it's like this giant rainforest that's mm -hmm. under there. And that's the start of inner earth. And so one of the greatest kind of, uh, portals, doorways, holes, basically, uh, they call it a cave, right? One of the biggest caves um, directing people into inner earth is in Antarctica. And this is actually where I believe the, um, what are they called? The lights? What are the, the lights? Northern lights? Oh, yeah. The green. Yep. So I believe that these green northern lights are actually coming from this giant uh, hole in the planet and the central sun that's inside of the planet which was I believe was it's not naturally occurring it was created by advanced technology mm -hmm. kind of like taking a crystal and energizing it to the point where it radiates light sort mm -hmm. of thing yeah. um, but I believe that that light emanating from the inner earth is basically the northern lights now what's really interesting is if you take a look at every other planet especially in our solar system there are actually two giant holes on either axis on either end of every single planet now if you take a look at NASA um, basically NASA images they will always blur out these holes and they have said quite a few times that there are northern light type of uh, energies emitted on all of these other planets as well. Once again, I believe that it's coming from the inside of these planets. So yeah, I do believe that other planets are hollow and that there are civilizations that exist uh, inside these planets as well, which just opens up a whole other can of worms for us to think about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Gosh, I have so many more questions. We are, I want to be respectful of your time. So we're out of time for this particular uh, side of this podcast. You have my brain spinning. <laughs> I'm just thinking about so much and I just feel, I almost feel like activated. Yes. <laughs> um, so before we go, um, are there any, you know, lasting thoughts that you'd like to leave our audience about um, essentially our connection to, you know, these other entities or other yeah, you know, like this Galactic Federation, how, how, why is this important to us today? Yeah, I mean, the last thing that I always love reminding people is it's not about the secret elite conspiracy agendas. It's not even about the Galactic Federation and different species. It's about you and how powerful you are. So sometimes we need to get rid of all external influence in our life um, stop listening to the mainstream news media, stop listening to spiritual teachers talking about one angle of things, and really just go within and ask yourself, what is the truth for me? What resonates to my highest capacity? And, it, you know, I always try and leave people off with this sense of power. We all have so much power. We all have so much wisdom all of the answers that you're seeking are coming from within. So the second that you stop the external noise and you start to really listen deep down within yourself, you'll start to realize that everything that you've ever been looking for, you already have. Mm. Thank you, EA. That was very beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you guys, if you want to hear the rest of our conversation, because we're going to dig into some, some crazy stuff, she's going to remote view or whatever she does, whatever you do, <laughs> um, and check out some, some reasons why I might be scary around aliens. Uh, if you want to listen to that, go to patreon.com slash the lovely Olivia. And uh, where can people find you? 
Yeah, for sure. So I highly recommend checking out my first book. It's called You're Not Dying, You're Just Waking Up. And you can find that on Amazon. You can also just type in Elizabeth April on Amazon. Um, but then also just elizabethapril.com. I have an online community. I have courses. I have tons of YouTube videos that are just completely ad-free and free in general. So check that out if you want to binge watch and uh, start to question your reality and expand beyond beautiful you guys if you love this episode please share it with someone you love and we will see you in the next one i hope you enjoyed this episode please share it with someone you love and if you're interested in becoming a client for energy coaching or card readings find me at thelovelyalia.com to read more about what i do and to book your own session and don't forget to add me on the lovely Leah on Instagram for daily content and inspiration and hang out with me on Patreon. As always, thank you for listening.